Trusting the Truth with Samuel Tolley, where we view the world through the lens of Jesus Christ and never view Jesus Christ through the lens of the world, where God's truth supersedes the foolish ideas of man, where religion, politics, cultural ethics, and the issues of today are discussed, because that is where we live, where truth and honesty are not subjective, and God's word is the final arbiter. My twofold mission is to present an unapologetic witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to expose the mental chains imprisoning far too many black Americans by the Democrat Party. How you doing? This is Sam Tolley. You know, several years ago, I was, when I was still a property manager, I remember I went to a property and I had a little time on my hands, so I was interacting with people on Facebook. And we were talking about abortion, and this one woman, who I grew up with, got up and talked about, yeah, well, she's a Christian and she's pro-life. Um, excuse me, she's a Christian and she's pro-choice. Well, I thought she was joking, but she was serious. She said she was pro-choice and she also was a pastor's wife, which I found even more bewildering. So during the course of that conversation, another friend chimed in. And this friend said, although I'm pro-choice, I believe every decision we make will be read on Judgment Day. Revenge is mine said the Lord. So who am I to judge? Just saying. Well, the first friend stopped talking to me. I think she even blocked me. But the second friend, who I'll call Lou, uh, we've still been pretty good friends over the years. But I never really responded to the quote which I'm going to try to do now. I want to try to break it down in sections. Uh, you know, I've been pondering this lately, and let me preface it by these scriptures. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 and also, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's also 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I want the Bible needs to be the basis of our discussion. <coughs> Excuse me. If we're talking as Christians, my opinion or the other person's opinion doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what God said. So, the first part of her statement, although I'm pro-choice, let's see what the definition of pro-choice is. According to Planned Parenthood, is this. Generally, people who identify as pro-choice 
believe that everyone has the basic human right to decide whether, excuse me, to decide when and whether to have children. When you say you're pro-choice, you're telling people that you believe it's okay for them to have the ability to choose abortion as an option for an unplanned pregnancy. Even if you wouldn't choose abortion for yourself. So that's the Planned Parenthood definition of pro-choice. Let's dig a little deeper into this. So since we have the definition of pro-choice, let's get the definition of abortion. From Merriam-Webster, it says, the termination of a pregnancy after accompanied by, resulting in, or closely followed by the death of the embryo or fetus. So Merriam-Webster says an abortion results in a death, the death of an embryo or fetus. Let's break it down more. What is a fetus? The developing human individual from the time of implantation to the end of the eighth week of conception. So a fetus is basically this, um, defined as when the man's sperm and the woman's ovum get together and this thing that's growing within them, within her, uh, for the first eight weeks is called an embryo. Some people want, don't say it's human yet, but then I regress. So it's the death of that. Now, what is a fetus? Well, it's called a developing human from usually two months after conception to birth. So, and I believe fetus is maybe Latin for baby. I didn't look it up, but I believe that's the case. But nevertheless, if what was implanted in the woman is not removed or for some reason is taken out, it's going to result in a child after nine months. And the definition of fetus basically is a two-month-old child up until birth. So, and of course we've already read that abortion is death. So what is, what is some of the techniques they use for abortion? I know they use like a saline solution where they basically put a, I believe it's like a salty content or something that burns this child up. Uh, I, I think they also, uh, one of the procedures is to inject the poison straight into the fetus. I could be wrong on that. But I think the most prevalent uh, way is they use this forceps or some kind of thing with claws on it and they rip out the baby piece by piece or if you like the fetus of the embryo and then they put this ripped out thing in a petri dish and they put it all together to make sure they got everything in other words it's like a, a baby puzzle they put all the pieces together to make sure everything is out otherwise uh, the woman is in risk of infection and death. Now, we know that babies in the womb um, can feel pain. In fact, we've even got the technology now 
where we can do medical procedures on the unborn child without removing it from the womb. But nevertheless, many times uh, these children that are being aborted are suffering inside their mother as they're being ripped apart. Can you imagine somebody ripped off your arm and you didn't feel pain? I mean, they showed uh, pictures of babies uh, sucking their thumbs in the womb. Different things like that. And they say the babies can hear their mothers. They hear music and whatnot. They can hear that thing coming and they feel it. But anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to understand that a person that's a Christian could be indifferent to something like this. The Bible says emphatically that the child that is being made is actually being made by God, not by the woman or the man. For it says in Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In the book, excuse me, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Makes you wonder, how can, how can a Christian tolerate that? How can a Christian be pro-choice? Uh, how, how can they smile and see a pretty little baby and at the same time be indifferent to a similar child that's being destroyed inside the womb? You know, God, not only does he make children in the womb, he even proclaimed that he knows them in the womb. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it states, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is Jeremiah speaking of himself, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I wonder how many Jeremiahs, how many people that God had preordained to do great work for him, we've destroyed in the womb. And for Christians to be indifferent about it. The next section of her quote, I believe every decision we make will be read on Judgment Day. I believe that too. I fully believe that. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, it says the following. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Christians need to heed what God says. You know, we have many Christians or people 
that say they're Christians, but they don't take the time to be disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all men. And if a Christian was a truly a disciple, they would know this. And they would be careful about the things they say, or at least they will try to be careful. Because we're going to be held accountable for what we say. If we say we're pro-choice and a Christian, we're going to have to answer to God for that. Because if you think God allows or, or accepts that, then you're sadly mistaken. Because God hates that. As he states explicitly in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. What is more innocent than an unborn child? They have not had an opportunity to say a word. They have not had an opportunity to make any decisions. They have not had an opportunity to do any wrong. They are totally and fully dependent on their mothers and fathers to look after and take care of them inside the womb. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Anybody that claims to be a pro-choice Christian needs to understand that. How could you say that you're for God and you go with what God hates? Jesus said in John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You can't say you love Jesus on your terms. Well, you can say it, but it doesn't mean anything to Jesus. If you really love Jesus, you're going to demonstrate that love on his terms. Other than that, he's going to reject it. So she goes on to say, Revenge is mine, said the Lord. So who am I to judge? Just saying. Well, I cannot recall any statement that I've made where I'm looking for revenge. I've said a lot of things, but I'm not looking for revenge. And if she, I don't know if she's implying that I'm looking for revenge or whatever. I'm just trying to do the will of God. I'm just trying to do the work that was assigned to me. And I think this work is assigned to every Christian. But I think she was trying to quote from this scripture, which is Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So yes, God will repay. God is going to seek vengeance. But you know what? Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. And all Christians need to be aware of that. We are going to be held accountable before the world. Now, does that mean that we're supposed to be silent? I don't think so. Matter of fact, I know not. You'd be better suited reading the whole chapter of Romans 12. But for time's sake, I'm going to read and share just a small portion. Starting at verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of 
another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. So since I'm teaching right now, also be aware that those who teach are held to a higher standard of accountability. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. What does exhort mean? It means strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. If I'm standing up for the unborn, I'm supposed to be, exhort that. I'm supposed to be truthful and, and adamant in that. The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy and cheerfulness. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. What does abhor mean? That means regard with disgust and with hatred. I abhor abortion. I will speak out against it every opportunity. And every Christian should do the same. So, what is evil? Excuse me. Hold fast to what is good. Christians, we're supposed to hold fast to what is good and we're supposed to abhor what is evil. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, which means don't be lazy. And zeal means great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. Abortion is evil. We, we need to have zeal in that, standing up for the word of God. And it says, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. I'll just read that verse all the way through first. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. What is fervent? Having or displaying a passionate intensity. We can't be lukewarm. Jesus said, I'd rather you hot or cold because if you lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. We can't be lukewarm when it comes to the unborn. Listen, everything, I mean, nothing else matters if there's no life. Death cancels out everything. And if the unborn can't live, what are we talking about? Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of saints, and seek to show hospitality. We must be strong. We must stand against abortion and every other evil. Now, this part about judging. You know, I really don't have time to get into it. Um, but we make judgments on everything we do. In fact, my response to Lou is because Lou made a judgment against me. Everyone judges. The Bible doesn't speak to us about not judging. The Bible wants us to judge rightly. If you read all of Romans chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, you will see someone take the plank out of your eyes so you can see clearly what's going on with your brother. I mean, I don't know any man in his right mind that if a 40-year-old guy coming there knocking on his door talking about he, he's coming to take his 13-year-old daughter out, he's not going to make a judgment concerning that. 
<laughs> no. You know, women that's walking, they let their kids play out in the front yard. They're not going to make a judgment whether little Johnny might run in the street. So they're going to make sure the fence is closed or they're there watching them or whatever. No, we all make judgments. You need to judge rightly. I got a complete video on Matthew chapter 7 and judging. Watch it if you want to get into that thing. But I'll leave this scripture with you. And you tell me if you should judge or not. Ephesians 5.11 Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What is darker than killing an unborn child? Now, think about it. You're making a judgment. Everybody makes a judgment. The Bible is telling we're supposed to not have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, and we are supposed to bring them to the light. We're not supposed to put our candle underneath a mattress, but hold it up where everybody can see. Let your light so shine. So, Lou, I hope you take the time to watch this. And anybody that thinks like Lou, take the time to watch it. And get into the scripture. Don't just say you're a Christian. Be a Christian. This is Sam Tolley, and I'm out.